GG Poker is the biggest online poker site and they have more players than any other on the internet. Why play anywhere else? They have a wide range of games and unique features that you just can't find on any other site. GG Poker run huge tournaments with big prize pools and they hold the record for the biggest ever prize pool on an online poker tournament. There are games for all players at all skill levels, whether you're new to poker or a seasoned pro, including cash games and exciting tournaments like Bounty Hunters and Sunday Majors. GG Poker offer popular games like Texas Hold'em and Omaha to unique games like All In or Fold and Spin and Gold. New players that make their first deposit get £60 in free play, 18+, plus. new UK players only, minimum deposit is £10, full terms and conditions apply, begambleaware.org and please play responsibly. AG1 is a comprehensive and convenient blend of over 70 high quality ingredients and what that means is each morning when I wake up, before I do anything else, I drink AG1 to set me up for the day. It keeps me clear-headed, full of energy and focused on whatever I need to do, like writing a fighting cock for example. One scoop, once a day, before breakfast and that's it. I've actually found that I've not been needing coffee in the morning to get me started. I've still been drinking coffee because I love coffee but it's not because it's like a necessity to do so. AG1 is made out of the highest quality ingredients subject to the strictest manufacturing standards. AG1 is NSF certified for sport and this process involves exhaustive testing and verification that every serving of AG1 is exactly what you see on the label. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs for your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock. That's drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock to get started. And to help the podcast. Thank you very much. Have a great day and enjoy the show. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Your plans? Today it's dinner with the parents at your spot. We gotta come back here. Now, their spot. Or you're on the edge of your seat at the game. Come on, just one time. And it's the one. Or maybe you're catching the next flight to... Now boarding flight 1850. Oh, that's you. The choice is yours. And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Look, my day job as a firefighter is tough, but my night job as a social media manager, my Persian cat Jinxie, that's intense. It's 8 p.m. I've finally gotten home from another 24-hour shift, and I just want to kick back with a cold one, but old Jinxie knocks my beer right off the counter and gives me that look that says, no drinking on the clock. But Heineken Zero Zero keeps us both happy. Zero alcohol, but just as refreshing. So I get my drink, and I can still work on Jinxie's new line of merch. Heineken Zero Zero. 0.0% alcohol. Now you can. Must be 21 plus to purchase. Enjoy responsibly. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 
podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This episode of The Fighting Cock is dedicated to Taz Constantinou, who's a massive Spurs fan and listener of the show. He sadly lost his life last week at the age of 44. Raise your glass for a proper year. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Cock. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. It's episode three, season five of the Fighting Cop podcast. How is everyone doing? Doing well. Recovered from the weekend? I'm fine. I'm, I'm recovering. I'm still a bit hungover. I took today off. Did you? Yeah. I had a big one on, uh, on Saturday off. Tuesday. Fucking hell. Yeah. I'm, I'm still, <laughs> still into next week. Um, yeah, we had, a, we had to uh, we had to deal with the two two loss, as Spooky put it on his uh, on his blog, yeah. uh, because it was uh, particularly depressing for some. I didn't. I didn't feel too bad after the game, but it was it was particularly depressing. I was fine after just because I was with you lot. Yeah. If I'd, if I'd have just gone home, then yeah. That's, that's the any time that stuff like that happens. Just go out. Just go out and get smashed. We have with us today Ben Pierce, uh, journalist for the Ham and High. Hi there. And um, Tottenham Journal website. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Do they do they come under the same? Is it Archon? Yeah. Yeah. We've got got a few of them. Ham and High, Tottenham Journal. Hackney Gazette, London24.com. So, amongst other things, you cover Spurs for yes. these websites. Yes. And how long have you been doing that? Because you have been on before, about three years ago. I think it was yeah, that long. Yeah, yeah. I've got the right week this week. Last time I turned up a week earlier than you expected. <laughs> we had two and, and, you, and you did a really good job of like smiling and looking pleased that I was there. <laughs> I think Martin Cloak was there to like plug his book or something. That's and right. I took up like half his time because he had to throw <laughs> Really? Yeah. yeah it, it, was, might, it might um, have been our fault. You did it? You, no, I don't think so. I think, I think <laughs> the, you, you all did a really good job of going, yeah, that's great. You know, we've got some questions hastily written on the beer mat yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was all good ok so what does your job entail generally what, I mean, what, what's your role in covering Spurs um, well I mean the, the job mostly is sports editor of the Ham and High newspaper which is Hampstead and Highgate Express um, as part of that obviously we cover you know all, all, all the um, you know the, the teams across North London um, we've got Spurs we've got an Arsenal correspondent um, who you guys are probably a lot less interested in yeah. um, cover Saracens as of kind of a couple of years ago um, since they moved into the area and then there's a lot of local oh. sport um, so Wingate and Finchley Hendon Football Club Haringey Borough are kind of favourite of mine a little bit of a project because um, I don't have many fans but they're doing really really well Yeah, um, we, we, we had this idea of, the, of following them yeah because when we've talked about it a little bit and we're not sure what the reaction would be but when if if 
Spurs move to Milton Keynes we thought about maybe when Spurs play up there if you're not interested in setting foot in that uh, franchise then um Perhaps Harringay Borough could do with us, exactly. especially because they're on White Hart Lane. Well, and they've just, uh, as of as of now, they're at the highest level they've ever reached. They got they won the title in the Essex Senior League last year, scored over 100 goals. Wow! So they're doing very well. But um, but yeah, obviously most most people are interested in the uh, in, in the Spurs side of it, and that's um, you know sort of uh, what I spend certainly the back end of my week doing, um, and that's uh, you know covering pretty much home and away press conferences, um, interviewing the players after the games, um, and, and that kind of thing. That's probably where um, most of your listeners would kind of um, find me. And what's it like? following football as a business as a, as a part of your job compared to being a fan of the game yeah it's, it's, it's quite interesting you have to it's something I had to think about a while ago um, you have to think about whether you're going to make your, your passion and your pastime make it your job um, and there are there are sacrifices involved in that and I, I wouldn't really say I think I've lost a lot of being a football fan mm. um, basically the only team I support now really is um, is England which is really upsetting <laughs> so, you know, for, for about and, and the friendlies and the you know the qualifiers can be so can be so dull so yeah. basically you're waiting for the major tournaments and they'll play what two games three games every two years now and those are the only time really when I'm sitting on the edge of my seat kind of biting my nails and going through the ringer yeah. like everybody else really um, you know a, a lot of the rest of the time it's, it's more of a kind of objective objective thing um, but but that's you know there's, I'm not going to pretend that you know <laughs> that it's a difficult life it's a fantastic <coughs> job and I've been covering Spurs for nearly nearly seven years now and I think that that shows really how much I enjoy it, um, really enjoy really enjoy covering the club and um, hope I can, can keep doing it for, uh, for a long time okay good um we've had some questions in from twitter and uh various other social media outlets um out of Erald, is that right I can't I believe say so. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I nailed that with you. Uh, I should have, have, have gone with it. Yeah. Nice. Bollocks. Toby. <laughs> Toby, yeah. Seems, he seems like a nice. This is from Charlie Parrish off Twitter and obviously been been on the show a few times. Um Odvarald seems like a nice chap, open interviewee. Where does he rank in Ben's nicest Spurs players table? Um that's a good question. I mean, I, haven't, I don't, I don't have a table. Um, but I mean, I've only, um, only spoken for the first time. Um, what Saturday afternoon? Um, we noticed actually last season down at Southampton um, the two-two draw um, that um, we wanted to speak to Eric Dyer and he wanted to pass and just said he wasn't going to do it. And he set up both goals and that was a bit of a shame. And then Alderweireld was there, kind of chatting away to, to reporters and one of the guys with me has kind of pointed out that's a Champions League finalist over there. Yeah. You know, who's who stopped talking a twenty-one-year-old kid who's just you know set up two. Goals. And presumably would like to talk a little bit has, has gone by so I think we, we knew when Alderweireld came in um, that, that he was going to be hopefully fairly open to uh, to talking we'd, we'd heard from other people that he was um, uh, you know that he, that he spoke you know win, lose or draw kind of thing so we were kind of hopeful that even though he'd conceded the penalty at the weekend he might, he might talk and, and I think I think he did yeah did it really well you know and um, came out of it very well put his hands up and said you know I've made a mistake um, and I'll you know go away and learn from it and, and he, he felt bad about it um you mentioned before we started recording that a part of the interview he asked or you asked sorry why why Southampton it wasn't were, me sorry yeah but yeah alright okay sorry <laughs> uh, right. yes Southampton uh, were, were kind of very kind of defensive they're defensively sound and they didn't concede yeah, yeah. many goals and yeah. Spurs at the weekend conceded two soft yeah. goals especially in the last 20 minutes where we seemed very open mm. and his, his answer was interesting yeah. to read in your interview yeah um, but yeah, what did he say? 
I mean, he said that. I mean, the, the question was, anyway, it was a good question. Um, you know, Southampton were you're part of a very successful Southampton defence last season. You know, the second best in the in the Premier League. What do Spurs need to do to to achieve that? Cause I think that's one of the reasons why Spurs, you know, signed him quite obviously. Um, and he said, uh, he said a little bit first. He said, well, actually, I thought we did okay today and we pressed well and that kind of thing. But what we had last season was Wanyama and Schneidlin, you know, pressed constantly and they they made sure the opponents never had time to put the ball in our box. And today we were doing that for a while. Um, up until the penalty probably but then we stopped doing it uh, we stopped playing football and that allowed them to keep putting pressure in the box keep putting balls in the box um, and then that kind of thing he said you know that's that's something we can do better we Stembele then about five minutes later said the same thing you know we stopped playing our football yeah. and, then, and then the pressure comes on and as is the nature with Twitter uh, people read interviews and analyse everything and go into their own little tirades um, they read into it, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, just just a lot of the comments seem to be, you know, it seems like what you're writing here is, you know, he's had a he's had a pop at Daniel Levy, or like, you know, he's already two games in, and our new signing slamming our central midfield <laughs> options and sending a strongly worded message <laughs> upstairs, and as you know, we, as we were just saying, it, it's it's an interesting scenario to be in as a reporter, almost having to then go on social media and go, actually, this. Interview isn't quite as interesting as you're you're all making out. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, really, the idea is that you kind of make things sound more interesting than they really are. You know, sometimes it is kind of you know almost an increasing phenomenon now that you that you're almost kind of having to defend the players and clarify what they've said so that so they're not misinterpreted. And I, th- I think one of the reasons for that is that you get so many sites now which are picking stuff up from the people who've actually reported at these events, whether they're press conferences or, or player interviews, and they are turning them into clickbait essentially. Yeah. They're putting, they're taking the quotes, and they're putting a more sensationalist headline on it. Um, and I understand the reasons for that. You know, there, there's, you know, it's, it's, it's how websites go, and, and and people, people, other people make their livings from that. But it does, it it does just mean that suddenly you feel like I, I don't want the player to be misquoted from something that I've written because yeah. there are only you know two or three of us speaking to him, and I don't want him to see one of those versions and look at it and go, oh right, okay, well I won't speak to those guys again. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing, and you're you're running the risk of. Oh, well, you're not running a risk, but essentially the the problem can be created that players become more closed. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, and, yeah. and clubs yeah. tell them to not say anything. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, uh, actually, we're increasingly seeing, I think, across across the industry. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's getting uh, player access is getting harder, and they you know, the clubs are putting recruiting more and more media people um, to protect their image and their brand and all that kind of thing. And when they're, it's all so controlled, and they've got so many people doing that job. The last thing they want is a, you know, is a football, you know, and they could be 18, 19 years old or something, you know, faced with a load of reporters who kind of, you know, know what they're trying to get mm. and saying something and all of a sudden they've criticised the manager accidentally or something or if you read between the lines they criticise the manager suddenly, you know, you can put as much time and effort into, into controlling your image as you like. Yeah. But you, you know, you just you just don't really want want to put your players in that situation, and then that's and that's a difficulty that that we all face, and, and that's why I think it's so important that you know reporters are you know as, as um, principles they can be, and all all the ones I, I know are you know in, in terms of you, you quote them as they've said, mm-hmm. and if they say something in the heat of the moment and you, you report well, you know this is what they said, then then fine, and then, you know they have to say well okay yes I did say it, and um, everyone complains don't they about how, how kind of robotic footballers are in their interviews and how, yeah, yeah, how yeah. cliched they are, but you can <clears> understand why absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I think you know that you can you can end up in a vicious circle whereby, you know, they say something not particularly interesting. So people, so as reporters, you know, you still need to fill column inches, and, and so you, you try and make it sound a little bit more interesting than it is. 
they don't like that so you know they're like okay well I won't be speaking to you again and yeah it, it can end up in a you know in, in a vicious circle and um, the thing is with Toby's comment is that he's Wanyama and uh, Schneiderlin isn't a bad defensive two no, in the midfield Schneiderlin no. just signed for United we wanted him desperately yeah, it's, yeah, not a, yeah. it's not an outlandish thing to say and, not, and the, the other thing is also which is uh, you know is a, is a kind of bit of a phenomenon is the turning a positive comment into a negative i.e. he was complimenting the players he played behind last season and saying in answer to your question what did Southampton do well yeah that's why yeah. we had two good players who did this and that was a positive thing for us at Southampton as you asked that is then being converted into you know um, you know Alderweireld right? slam Spurs central exactly. which which he didn't at all he didn't make a negative comment about Spurs midfield at all and and actually you know as a, as I said you know someone who's played in the Champions League final he's um, you know very well qualified to talk about you know what what he would like you know how how you solidify a defence and I think a lot of fans would say actually we'd be making the same points and what he's saying is spot on so it's just it's just frustrating to see people try and then you know almost put words in his mouth um, yeah. when when we as reporters haven't actually done that I think. I think then people get just as annoyed about that as you can see that half split of the people that go, yeah, that is what he's saying. Let's all have a pop at Levy or whoever it is that that, that particular quote might be about or perceived to be about. And then the other half are like, well, no, that's nonsense. Mm, yeah. Just either completely ignored the question he was actually asked. Yeah, that's the bit that infuriates me yeah. most about sports journalism in general. <coughs> mm. I think, as I was saying before as well, the, the possible solution to this is that rather rather than kind of create pieces that we write, you know, saying, okay, well, this is constructed nicely, hopefully it reads easily and that kind of thing, hopefully we lead you from point to point, that we just print a transcript and you yeah. can see the context of every question and answer. But I think you know you as, as, exactly. You know that, that's no exactly. Right. And I think you know writing writing is, is part of the job and it's an art. And, and and you like to read something which kind of leads you through you know a few topics of conversation. And um, I think it'd be a shame to get to that point. But sometimes you do feel like it, it would have been you know I just find myself increasingly going on kind of saying to someone actually that's not that's not what he was saying. Yeah. Uh, you, you know I'm sorry if you misinterpreted that because it makes me feel like well actually have I accidentally misinterpreted and have I phrased this badly? This is the, da- the damage that clickbait journalism can do because it, that, there's people running Spurs sites and it might not always, always be Spurs sites but if, if it is they're, they're damaging the football club in, to some degree albeit a small way for the sake of getting a few more people through their website so they're willing to write these headlines using news now in the way that it's become used for and writing these headlines that simply draw people to them whereas the actual journalism behind it is pretty poor yeah. it's essentially yeah. as you say spinning stories to make them you know, to generate ad revenue. Yeah, the, the, one, the one that really got me last season was I spoke to Brad Friedel about DeAndre Yedlin right after he'd arrived and said, um, uh, you know, everyone's kind of, oh, when's he going to play? When's he going to play? Immediately thinking he's going to come in at right back. And I, was, you know, spoke to, to Friedel and he said, um, you know, things in his time, he's got to learn. You know, the, he's got to pick up the pace of the Premier League in training. Almost, you're not in Premier League games, but on the training ground, playing with players who are going to play at Premier League pace. And you know, all the talking about him needs to stop. Really, he just needs to have a few months to settle in. You know, he young kid moving to a new country all of that and he said you know and, and then um, you know and, and hopefully and then, and then as part of a conversation about the MLS he was saying you know it'd be nice to think it's great to now see a young American player coming to the Premier League at 21 rather than someone like Dempsey who's, who's already been over there for a little while um, it'd be nice to think that you know one day he'll, he'll, he'll become a Premier League player learn his trade here and then go back to America also at a good age and, and, and you know help to strengthen the league over there and next day I saw this turned into um, you know DeAndre Edlin's only just arrived at Spurs but Brad Friedel says he's Back, he's on his way back to the MLS and I was, I was like you know, I was like <laughs> again, I, don't, I don't think Friedel's going to end up on your side but at the same time you know, it's like yeah. you know you haven't just just to turn that into into something else you see yeah. you're just you know, sitting at your computer there and oh I'll tell you what you know, I can skew this into something 
Uh, I think um, the, app- the appetite for Spurs news and anything Spurs related is at an all-time high now. And it's at a point where you'll have written an article and someone will have quoted probably the snuddling around Yamalan out of the entire article and say, oh, I don't know, Ben, Sp- ben Pierce wrote this. And we think, well, you know, where's the rest of the article? Because we're so desperate for any news about Spurs, people will read that and just run with it. Yeah. And they'll go, they'll go, they'll go, so they're going to Reddit and forums and repeat it and not... Not show any context, yeah. I think. And also, people are... Um, they're they're desperate for for this information and and they're they're just simply trying to create a a situation where their their tweets can get retweeted or they'll get upvotes on reddit and it becomes about themselves I I don't know I I think I think the thing with all this is that I think it's really important that fans recognise that the role they've got on in all of this, which is that if you keep going back to a website which keeps disappointing you in terms of what you click on is not what it purports to be. Stop clicking on it. Stop clicking. <laughs> and you know, it's the same. It's the same with anything. You know, um, the, the media to to an extent, and I'm not going to say entirely, reflects. You know, the media knows what people want, and there are people out there running websites who can see exactly how many clicks certain stories get. And, yeah, and the more they're clicked on, the more they'll tell their writers to write more of it. Yeah. And that's not the report as well because they're paid by these people I guess also that um, it suits people's agenda as well because it's kind of an anti-levy every time we go for a bad run of results or well, we've had two games so it's not really a bad run of results really is it but uh, every time we do we seem to people attach these articles or quotes from players uh, and, and create an agenda mm. or it, it lets it suit them their agenda at least I think the flip side is that you know I'm, I'm very fortunate in in the sense that I've got a lot of control over what I write. I don't really have someone breathing over my neck saying, we want more hits on our website and that kind of thing. That's very unique these days. And so, yeah, as, you know, as I say, I, I think it's sometimes disappointing to see, what, see something that you've written kind of in good faith yeah. um, turned into something else. But at the same time, I'm very aware that there are people out there who are coming into sports journalism jobs, you know, out of university and that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, and then they've, they've dreamt of doing the same kind of things as me and they're being told to write these things as, as I say it's not necessarily the reporters who are writing them it's it's the whole culture mm. which which fans are involved in transfer stories just do much better transfer rumours just course, do so yeah, much yeah. better than something thoughtful and analytical and that's um, that's just reflective well, of what people want and so the media organisation will keep churning these things out but if you can do it I mean if you want to do it it is possible I mean our website The Fighting Cock gets and this isn't to blow our own trumpet at all yeah. but we, we get something like 1.5 million page views a month. Yeah, blow that trumpet. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think that's a, that might be a lot more than we get. Uh, but, yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we don't. We never pub- published. We've never pub- published a transfer rumor in, yeah, yeah. in our time. And uh, yeah. purely everything we do does get um, is about producing what we consider to be good journalism. Not everything we publish is amazing. Don't yeah. get me wrong. There are some articles that. that weaker than others yeah, yeah. if I'm being diplomatic yeah. but um, you know it, it comes from the right place yeah. and I think if you do create and, and do aim to do that it is possible but the easy route to do and certainly the most profitable route yeah. is, is by clickbait journalism anyway uh, Elliot Metzen from Twitter says uh, what's the most depressing or worst uh, Spurs for Spurs performance you've had to cover as a journalist um, most depressing I don't know about performance the worst game I've had to cover was um, the Moamba Mm-hmm. Um, instant years ago, that was that was really really that was really difficult because I mean I've said to people a few times you're sitting there as the fans were I'm sure it's absolutely shocked um, you know frankly I thought I thought I'd just seen someone die in front of me mm-hmm. and, and and you know in front of. 33,000 people and it was horrendous and then you suddenly and then time passes and you suddenly realise that you're one of the people whose job it is to kind of tell everyone what's going on and you suddenly 
you suddenly realise, oh, hang on, wait, I'm in the press box and actually I've got jobs to do. And then what on earth does that job look like right now? Yeah. Like, what on earth are you supposed mm. to write? And this is definitely not a time to kind of think, oh, this is a great chance to boost my Twitter following or whatever. You know, here's a great chance to get hits on my site. It's about, you know, how on earth do you do this, report what's happening, but not sensationalise it and not jump the gun and say, you know, I'm pretty sure this is just, you know, I'm pretty sure it's this serious because you've got no idea. Um, so it's, you know, and, and other people did, and I've said, said a few times, other people have done a really much better job than I did in that moment and were, you know, just a, a lot more switched on, just jumped into action. I was just pretty much stunned. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that was really, really difficult. Okay. Uh, and uh, Eric Coys from Reddit says, Ben, have spo- um, ben having spoken to uh, with Toby and possibly other players, what's the general mood around the squad? Are they deflated or positive having put in two solid performances yet coming up short in both matches? I think that's, I think that is an important point. I don't think it's, um, you know, I don't think it is doom and gloom. I think for 60 odd minutes on Saturday, actually, it was one of the better Spurs performances I'd seen for a while in terms of pressing and that kind of thing, which I think was lacking a lot last season. I think you could see strides forward. I think Dyer looked better in central midfield than I've seen him in pre-season and probably at United thought Dembele looked pretty good on the right hand side kept winning the ball back I think there's a lot of positive stuff there and that, that did seem to be I think that is how the, the players felt and you can normally tell you know when, when they come through you know when they, they come through that mix zone um, as, as we call it it's if you know you could have, they, they won't stop if, if they've got you know if they don't want to they just want to get home and they don't want to talk to anyone and they are deflated then you know, they're, they're not they're not stopping for anyone yeah uh, and the fact that the two players did and I think probably a couple so they're not obligated to talk to press they're not obligated they're, the rules these days are that they are they, they, they need to walk through an area where we can ask them um, but they don't they don't have to um, that, you know that, that's entirely yeah. up to them um, but I mean actually it's, it's kind of worth saying I think increasingly now there's a group there who are either nicer or just more open or, or, or whatever it is um, I don't I don't think that anyone's telling them you know we should all talk more um, really I think you know really they've, 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 they just seem to you know Kane I think you know Alderweire or Vertonghen does it quite a lot Danny Rose talks well uh, and there's, there's just a group of them there where you feel like you know most of them probably probably would now and you feel like you've got a good chance I really really want to ask you who out of the Spurs squad walks past and you just like, I ain't talking to that prick yeah, when they've told that about me. No, <laughs> no, no, the other way around. You think it, here comes Dimitar Berbatov. Oh, Jesus, no, I'm not going to bother. Uh, but, Aaron, Aaron Lennon. Everyone, Aaron. everyone knows it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, but I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't a case of well, you know, I'm not going to talk. He, he wouldn't. He wouldn't talk to to anyone. I think. I think maybe he spoke to twice in the time that I've covered Spurs. Once that I wasn't there, and then the guy who covered me came back and said, and I said, oh, you know, did you get any play interviews? He went, yeah, you got Lennon. And I said, no, you didn't. <laughs> said, no, seriously, Aaron Lennon said, no, it wasn't. No, like you know, look, we'll go through some photos and you, you point him out. It definitely wasn't. That. <laughs> um, and, and, and it was. And I was like, oh, you know, can't can't believe it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, what. what Whatever it is, I don't know, and, and also the, the, the things we don't know these guys away from the pitch. You know, course, he may yeah. be really, really nice. He, it may be that you know he had a really bad experience in the interview when he was younger, and and, and he just doesn't feel comfortable with it. Yeah. If so, fair enough. But he's just yeah, he's he's, he's just someone who you know Stand he, off he, he, he walks up and you just kind of go, there's just no point in asking because he's, he's just not going to be interested. Also, I mean, you've been working with the paper for the last seven years, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot has changed. I mean, obviously you had the red nap days of the Champions League team, and now you've got a very young team. I mean, how do you how the changes affect to the work you do. Um, I don't think I don't think that has changed that much. I think I think the the, the kind of the youth, the injection of youth has helped um, in the sense that I think you know players like Kane, um, you know. It's, it's, 
the, the, the bigger players everybody wants to talk to them and, and actually one of the one thing, one of the nice things which I always enjoy is speaking to the players when they're a little bit less less well known yeah. grabbing the ones that nobody's interested in because they're not a name yet um, which was Danny Rose once you know I spoke to him after his debut I think um, against Arsenal the screamer there was one before no, he played cup games I think before. I think it was yeah, Premier League yeah, yeah. debut yes. Peterborough I think something like that yeah. um, you know at some stage they are the little known player that, that all the you know everyone else is kind of like well they probably enjoy enjoy yeah, yeah, yeah and then that was Harry Kane and really not very long ago you know you'd be the one after a couple of away games you know everyone's like kind of waiting for the waiting for whoever the big player is and you go Harry you know have you got a minute just you know you played you haven't scored but you know yeah. interesting stuff yeah. I, I do want to like you know stress I'm not the only Spurs reporter and I think there's you know other reporters are available and that kind of thing I don't want to make it sound like I'm the only one kind yeah, of at, of at, at these games because um, uh, you know if I was listening to this I'd be be fairly fed up with that idea but um, <laughs> uh, but yeah so I mean you know there, there is there is a group of us and uh, you know a lot of these interviews are, are group ones like like the elder world one um, but uh, but yeah so, so always I always like to kind of try and you know do the young player first um, like it was Harry Winks last season Onoma got you know spoke to them again just because they're not a name yet um, yeah. and so I think from that point of view it's been quite nice that that's happened increasingly regularly and I think they are quite you know suddenly like, oh, you know, I'll get to be in a paper which paper is it and that kind of thing and that, that's they don't have necessarily the airs and graces um, that um, I mean Ericsson's another one he's not he'll do it probably about once a month or so but I think he's such a big name in Denmark and he's had he's been used to being the, you know the big fish for such a long time and had so much written about him I think maybe so much pressure on him in, in Denmark mm. and, and at Ajax that again he's just he's just not really he's, he's just not a massive fan of being in front of the cameras it's probably a realise that they have to say the same stuff and I they think can't, so, yeah. they can't yeah, they've yeah. got straight back every question yeah. actually we had James Moore on the pod and he did um, it sounded like a 6,000 word interview with, mm. with Harry Kane yeah. telling the last season mm. and he said that he, he said mo- you, you'd get the straight back answer for vast majority and you may get one or two but Harry came yeah. is quite open and yeah, yeah absolutely and, and quite happy to talk and yeah. offer his opinion and then what we've got at the moment is just trying to um, just, just be careful about the occasions when you use him now because I think um, uh, you know it's he, w- he would do it after nearly every time you know when Spurs lost 3-0 at Stoke last season you know and so much being written about him and it was all that stuff about oh is he going to be burnt out and all that kind of thing you thought if there's ever a game Harry Kane is not going to stop it's going to be this one and say look you know I'll do every game just please just you know not this week mm. uh, but yeah yeah yeah, fine. You know, said the thing. They went off and signed autographs for about twenty minutes while everyone else was sat on the coach. At yeah. the moment, the, case, the, the the thing is, you know, we, we ran out of questions from last season. If we're honest, yeah. you know, it was it was the same story. You've scored two goals. That must be brilliant. You know, yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. And what a season you're having. How do you sum it up? And now at the moment, you know, you just kind of think, well, yeah. you know, what 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 more can can we say at the moment? He's done a lot of interviews again recently, and it's just a case of kind of thinking, well, I'll tell you what, we'll you know, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll stop next time <laughs> you get your hat trick. He's a legend. I love him deeply. Um, <laughs> Let's move on to Stoke. Um, as as an kind of uh, yeah, as, as you admitted, an, an objective ob- observer, mm. despite the fact that your job is is reporting on Spurs. How, how did you think the game was? Because there's a lot of sensationalism on Twitter, and I because I, I watched it and I thought if you look at our season so far, it's only two games in. We defended pretty well against United. We defended excellently up until the penalty yep. and and Kane's injury, which changed the dynamic of our team. But but what did what did you think? I mean, yeah, I thought. I mean, for for a lot of it, um, I, th- I thought you know a lot of the first half was really positive. And as I said, I think we we thought when Pochettino came in, we were going to see this high tempo pressing game. There was a lot of it in pre season in um, in America last last summer. We thought, okay, right, you know, this is this is something new and different. 
Um, I, you know, it tailed off fairly fairly quickly last season. Whatever he was, you know, his philosophy and all this kind of thing, which we hear a lot about, whatever he was imparting, it that 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 bit, if anything else, wasn't really getting across, or we weren't seeing it, and possibly because he was playing the same, what you know, eleven out of the same fourteen players every week or something, it just wasn't sustainable. Um, but I thought I think you know we saw it a bit more. Uh, Everton, I remember Everton at home last season was a game when it yeah. really seemed to be you were suddenly like oh, there it is, you know, yeah. and then it was gone again. Um, I think again Saturday was was a, was a game we thought well, hang on, you know, I should tell you what, Stoke were a decent team and they're really keeping them at arm's length. They had they still had a few chances, but not so much in the first half. Thought you know. If, Loris made two excellent saves. Really, yeah. Um, maybe straight at him. Yeah, as did Butland though. To be fair, I mean, oh, Butland made the better saves. I'd yeah, say, yeah, absolutely. The one from Mason yeah, in particular. Yeah. But I thought, I thought, I thought Dyer looked good central midfield. Uh, yeah. His best game, um, best game central midfield. Yeah, as I said earlier, I thought Dembele played on the, well on the right. Mason looked really good. All right, let's um, talk about Dembele. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted I've to talk about. I've got some stuff. To say. I know you want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was sitting next to T in Park Lane upper and I was watching the game and. Uh, and I was waxing lyrical about what Dembélé was doing because right. I thought he, I thought he had an excellent game. He was he isn't a winger, or, and I think that's expect, people expecting anyone who plays in that position to beat their man, get across, or cut inside and shoot. And that isn't Dembélé's game. I think his role was to uh, supplement the midfield, make it difficult for Stoke, and crucially and this is what he does best wherever he plays is carry the ball and slow slow it down and turn the game back in Spurs' favour and he did that from that, that position well alright he wasn't that penetrative he didn't get his shots away when he could have done but I think what he, the, the role that he was deployed in uh, he did a very very good job and um it's a lot harder for teams to play against us when Dembele's in that position than if he isn't than 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 if Lamella was on in that position. As we saw when he came on, he had an absolute uh, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know yeah, what I was yeah, about yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm trying to rein myself in. He had a terrible game. He had a terrible, terrible game. He, he was about as bad a performance as, as you could expect from Eric Lamella, and we expect the worst generally. Unfortunately. So, whilst he was given all this about Dembele, what were you saying? Well, what Dembele, what I kept saying of Lamella over and over again was that what Dembele does, it looks nice, but it doesn't really hurt the other team. What it does, he is almost sacrificing himself for, for the team by, you know, working hard, winning the ball, back, recycling possession. But Bardi made a point about yesterday's game, the Man City game, that when they win, when the wide players get the ball, they're always looking forward, they're always moving forward. When Dembele gets the ball, he doesn't always look forward. Sometimes the move can break down with mm. him kind of dallying on the ball. I think in terms of um, what he was asked to do, he probably did do what he was asked. I don't know what he was asked to do. Mm. But for me, I just don't think he hurt Stoke. And that's what my issue is with him, generally. But we created enough chances to win that game. Not through him. No, no. not necessarily, but it may be through his industry that opened up space. I think, I think they did create a chance to him. It was, it was him who won the ball on the edge of his own box, and then Ericsson played Chadley over the top straight yeah, away. Yeah, you, you, you go. That's I not, think... You see, that is a classic example of misquoting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not so no. so, More or less did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. palmed him. I think there's there's links with Dembele and how he can start moves for sure. Yeah. I think I think the, the problem I have with him is I feel he puts us in between a rock and a hard place because one of the I don't think it was a coincidence that the majority of our decent moments on Saturday came from runners from deep and I've said this numerous times about numerous games where we never seem to have stuff coming up from behind the ball to give us more more options. And what he does by carrying the ball, as you say, but then because he is so in, not whether it's indecisive or whether it's just because of his own stop-start movement, no one can commit 
to runs or to movement because they start and they stop and they go and mm. Chadley must have done it six, seven times in the first half. Now, I don't think Dembele had a particularly bad game, but what I'm saying is he doesn't, he doesn't help us do what we do best mm. when we look at our best in terms of like when Davis set up the goal, when Mason ran through and, and obviously Butler made that fantastic save. Mm. He doesn't help us do that. He hinders it, if anything. But he was on the right, as was Carl Walker. And Walker's probably our best player. So from that point of view, their side was probably the best. We're, 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 there's some good things did actually come from. We didn't actually attack. We attacked more down our left-hand side. I think I looked on who scored yes, uh, this morning and we attacked 46% of our attacking movement went down our left-hand side compared to low 30s on the right-hand side, which really surprised me mm. because you would have thought, is that Carl Walker being asked... Look, first couple, let's focus more. Let's get this defensive stuff right. We know what you can do going forward, blah, blah, blah. It's because Dembele's role wasn't to attack him necessarily. Yeah, I, I, I know. I'm just, saying, I'm, I'm just kind of carrying to that but, point but, of the team. What, but what he does is he, he, he creates opportunity. Just because a player isn't necessarily attack-minded uh, and Dembele isn't necessarily uh, on the right-hand side doesn't mean it won't open up opportunities in the other areas of the pitch. And... and but he is attack This is the problem because he was a striker, wasn't he? He is attack I think that's kind of uh, moot. Him, the fact he used to be a striker. I mean, I don't think. That no, no. But what I'm saying is, you see, obviously, everything has, though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you were saying like the other day. You know, as I said, oh, you were all for you on the right. You said, well, I played there at Alkmaar in Holland. And you're like, well, there's another role. Yeah. You know, is, is there any role he hasn't he hasn't played in? I, I really like him. I, yeah. I really like, and, and he divides opinion. I, yeah. I don't dislike. I feel that for him to be at his best, he needs a team almost built around him. I think. I don't. I don't know. I, I just. Wonder, I think they've almost tried it. You know, yeah. playing number number ten last season, and um, uh, yeah, absolutely fascinating player. And you know, the amount of it's like the articles about him just 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 keep coming. And um, yeah, really interesting. I mean, when he first joined, it was him and Sandro. That um, you know, there's an amazing partnership, the pair of them. And then Sandro gets injured, and he kind of tails off from there. I think the frustrating thing about Dembele is that he's probably the most talented player. Yeah. Definitely. That we have, mm. but added by yours, obviously not part of the squad now. So, but yeah. other than that, I think Dembele probably got the most natural talent in terms mm. of what he can do. I don't know if it's the self belief or just just how he plays. It's, I don't it's about how he's coached. I don't know because I mean the game that always stood out for me with Dembele was the game for Fulham against United, and he, he it was strong, powerful, going past players, but being decisive at the end of it. I, I genuinely haven't seen it. You all remember s- the four 0 as well against Tottenham. He was he, he <laughs> yeah, destroyed us. Yeah. Yeah. He, he never seems really to be like. Like in the body, he never seems to be able to create the body shape where he's about to shoot. I know he scored some goals for range. He scored against Leon in the Europa League. Oh, a glorious night that it was. was. It was yeah. amazing, and I think he scored a goal against Fulham. The problem is that you can remember them all. Yeah, exactly. yes, that's exactly, exactly. Yeah. the fact that I can remember yeah. them is the issue. But I, mean, I always come back to that. You know, I thought he was an absolutely fantastic signing, and then on his debut, what? Came on the, off the bench at half time yeah. at home against Norwich, I think. Yeah, Turn right. on the edge of the box, bottom corner, and yeah. everyone goes 15 million absolute steal. steal. Yeah. And now you're thinking, what's it been, three, four goals since? So is it like Tottenham? That? Is it Tottenham that's doing <laughs> this? Because yeah. let's, let's move on to Lamella. He's, as I said, an awful performance. He, he really hasn't done much to warrant the money, although it's not his fault how much was spent on him. Have we created him? <laughs> Well, if we turned him into this very well, average, sort of barely a professional footballer, <laughs> I was saying to, I was saying to Tia uh, um, uh, uh, during the game, right? 
I don't think after his contract at Spurs that he'll ever play football again. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the end. Of, we're witnessing the end of his career at 20, 22. Yeah. I think you're going to be surely disappointed in, in, in some Europa League fixture in about four years. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. he bangs yeah. in yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's very much still a professional footballer. <laughs> I was going to use the caveat of the Copa America, but you know we also want Aguero to just. I believe he played in the Copa America because mm. um, I think he was slow in putting Lamella back into the team, which is why Lamella isn't starting. So maybe, may, maybe there's that. But he's a player who will continue to frustrate. Uh, I think he'll be here come September first. I think he'll still be a yeah. Spurs player then. He looked um, like he had a chip on his shoulder yesterday. Well, he, he looked pissed off. He was pissed off because he kept losing the ball and fouling players to win the ball back. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he, has, he has been, I think, behind everyone else in terms of preparations. He joined up with the squad when they went out to America for that MLS game. Mm. He had sort of longer holiday than everyone. I think, including I mean, Kane being back before then, and everyone's been writing cool. about how you know how much whether Kane's had enough of a rest. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, he's. Um, I mean, I. I thought last pre-season he looked really good actually a year ago I thought he was possibly the best player and most exciting player in pre-season and, and then you know there's the Rabona goal but there's just kind of every now and then there's flashes great goal against Burnley wasn't there at home yeah, last, yeah. last season and then we finished really yeah you yeah. finished the season really well I think the best attacking player and at home against Man City and then, and yeah. then again you're back to, back to square one it's just like kind of you know all these false storms as we've seen with a few mm. first players but just never seems to develop the confidence to kind of go right okay yeah. five to ten games now I'm, I'm really going to kick on at the start of the season it's not you can't can't write anyone else. I know I just did write him off, and that, that was partly a joke. <laughs> but uh, you, at the beginning of the season, there's always these. It takes time to get up, up and running, and it's a shame that we didn't beat Stoke. We should have beat them. We were a better team over 90 minutes. Uh, but it's just one of those things. Football, you know, you can see goals. The penalty was poor. Oldervero probably shouldn't have given it away in that position. It wasn't the most dangerous position to concede a penalty. He admitted he made a mistake. And uh, it was a penalty, wasn't it? I've, I've seen lots of people being saying it was very. I thought Rich. absolutely nailed on. Me and Buddy were sat up literally next to the Stoke fans away, looking down into that yeah. corner, and both of us said straight away, "What was a penalty?" What a bunch I of couldn't... pricks they were! They was all kicking off Fucking in there. Yeah, I was there. I thought I, I haven't seen it more than I, thought I saw it. You know, in, instantly live, and then I think once on a replay, and thought he went down easily. He did, go uh, over, but yeah. it was almost like. But I mean, World didn't complain about it at all. No, and he I knew he might have done because he should have come up, hand in yeah. the back, and just and just stood off. But almost, he did. He's lack yeah. of concentration. He's gone. He's gone too tight. In. He's turned him, yeah. and, and that's it, was, it. It, it was, was a nailed on penalty. Rick, Rick was, was literally five yards. That's exactly where Rick, Rick said, and he said it's a penalty all day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So never argue with Rick. No, not at all. Uh, and then obviously a massive bone of contention was the booing at uh, full time, and we have covered this before. And my stance on booing has changed massively since the first season of the Fighting Cock, where essentially I thought everyone who booed was a dickhead. But I thought they should die. Hmm. I think I said um, they should all have a rice and cigarette that's oh, what I said Jesus that's yeah. quite harsh mm. um, I've mellowed since then but, but mellow mellow, mellow. <laughs> uh, yeah, apologies Ben that's right you need to be subjected to this <laughs> um, yeah no I mean that it, it, my, my stance on it has softened I understand that people pay a lot of money and if they go to a game and they don't feel like the effort has been put in or I don't know the, the kind of commitment isn't there or whatever then I can understand why some people do boo, but it was a reaction to 15... Because we say 20 minutes, 30 minutes, actually, the game, the goal, the, the penalty came on 76 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Was that right? OK. Yeah, yeah, think, yeah. So we're really talking... Because before then, we looked pretty secure. Mm. So we're really talking about 11 minutes of football, and that's a long time, because a lot can happen in, in a football match. So the Man United game was a positive one. We lost 1-0, but we were the better team. The, fan, the away fans were singing... 
I'm like seeing the team off the pitch yeah. because there was commitment and, and, and performance there and in this game at home uh, it shows the difference between home and away support there was it was just vitriolic it was horrible uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it's home and away I think if we had if we had turned up at, at the Britannia and we gave up a lead like that I don't think the fans would necessarily be booing as loudly have you heard, ever heard booing, booing away, away again? Don't know. <laughs> anyone you've been to have you ever heard booing? No, I don't think we've had a bad loss away games I've been to. Oh, oh yeah, but I remember Norwich first... when we lost one 0 to Norwich yeah, was we were under there. Sherwood, and there wasn't there wasn't booing. There was a lot of you know, grumbling, the, yeah, the, no yeah. booing. Yeah. And I, but, I don't, Spurs, but you know, that if Spurs don't win a game, they'll be booing. They're White Lane, regardless yeah. of the. Well, there's more of us for a start. Yeah, but what, what more idiots? I think so. <laughs> That's me saying. That's me taking your your words out of your mouth. No, I've got, I've got a real. I have a, a real real issue with it because I feel that it doesn't it doesn't help anyone. No one knows the the thing that's really wound me up this week is because our oh, people are booing Levy. They're not booing the player. You have no fucking idea what each individual person of that is is booing. booing. Yeah. If they most of the people that were, we I didn't have any booing around us. Luckily, it, it seemed to be lower down. But when it did, it's always because of a. And it's always at these types of games, like a Stoke or a or whoever it might be, that we naturally feel that we should be beaten. The parallels between us and Stoke, unfortunately, are, are, there, to, are there to be seen. I think the problem that, that happened yesterday was that that 10-minute slot between Kane and Mason going off and the penalty going in all happened within 10 minutes. Yeah. So it all happened very, very quickly, and it was then, particularly obviously towards the end of the game, and it was it was there to be... It was there to be booed. Me then, yeah. If that dodgy ten minutes had happened in the in the first half, it might not have happened. But like I said, it's it, the people saying, "Oh, they're booing at this or they're booing at that." You have no fucking idea. You just say what you were. What booing do you at. think though? What do you think they were booing? T. Do you think they were booing the chairman, or do you think they were booing? Uh, you know, the I think it was a combination because Harry Kane comes off and he's not replaced by a striker. There's no striker on the bench, mm. so obviously Levy is culpable to a degree for. For that happening, mm. yeah. so there's that. And, Why would um, they boo when Kane's going off the pitch? Yeah, you're asking me to explain what everyone's Sorry, thinking. Sorry. <laughs> what are you doing? We're <laughs> asking your opinion. Exactly. And he's for another one. We've been going at it all week. I think, I, I, I think that's the thing about it is that we could stand here for 10, 15 minutes and discuss all the frustrations about what's going on with Spurs at the moment, strikers, central midfielders not having transfers in place at the right time, style, all this kind of thing. Ultimately, if you've only got a few seconds at the end of a game as a collective group to express how you're all feeling about throwing away a two goal <laughs> yeah, yeah. you end up with a collective it's just mm. like it's a noise of frustration made by a load of people at once as they go home yeah. that, and, and I think you know the, the almost the sad thing about it is that it's almost common now it's, it's almost like kind of I find you know oh yeah there's booing at the final whistle just used to it now mm, which, yeah. is, which is a bit of a shame and quickly to end this first half why didn't Dembele start? He did. He did. What are you talking about? Why didn't Bentaleb start? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think. Yeah, I think. Um, I think Pochettino was sending a message, but it's a bit. Do you think he was? No, I well, don't think you did that. So I... why do you think he's tired? Then what are the reasons? Because, because uh, he sh- his form against Man United was so poor. That's the only thing I could think of. Well, that's the message he sent then. You were crap last week. You're, you're on the bench. Oh, oh, oh him, he said he was sending a message to Levy. No, oh, oh, no, right, no, no, okay. no. I think the. Di- I, think, him. I think Dyer. <laughs> I think Dyer starting. Could be, but it'd be, it's very um, what's the word tenuous yeah. to say that um, Dyer starting is him saying I want another defensive midfielder because that's not Dyer's position and he shouldn't be there all season. I don't, it's unfair I don't it, think really. it was directly a result of Benelab, or it was, but I think it was more to do with the fact that he wanted to play 
um, when Mason came on at Old Trafford, the, the difference, the number of passes that Bentaleb, that Dyer then made moving forward, rather than going back to Toby, was mm. was a big was a big difference. Mm. And I think he wanted to be able to do more of that again in this game. I think I think Pochino showed. I think I think you know, um, showed he got it right because when Bentaleb came on, he wasn't anywhere near as good as yeah. Mason, and that's where, that's when the two goals were conceded. So yeah. I think I think he probably um, he probably got it right. Okay, that's it for the first half of the fighting cock. We've got windy with another ten minute update. I don't ten. Know. No, I'm not having this. He sent me he sent me an email saying. It's ten minutes. Just deal with it. It's not even sorry anymore. Yeah. It's just fuck you. Yeah. That's essentially what it is. So he's had, um, he's had a drink, hasn't he? Has he? Oh yeah, he's uh, he's on the ale, isn't he? Oh, is that what it is? He's on yeah, holiday. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's in, he's in so he's had a beer, and you think oh, he yeah. just does think he's Billy Big Bollocks. That's his problem. Yeah, he does. Windy here, back with the weekly youth update, looking at our young players and players out on loan. Starting off with the loanees, there's been some action this week. Dominic Ball and Nathan Odewa have joined Rangers on season-long loans. Shaq Coulthurst has joined Wigan on loan until the end of October. And Connor Ogilvy has joined Stevenage on loan for a month. Ogilvy, Ball and Grant Ward remained on the bench this week, but Shaq Coulthurst made his Wigan debut, he was a 54th minute sub, and Nathan Odewa made his Rangers debut. He came on in the 61st minute and really impressed their fans with his cameo. He was involved in their fifth goal with the surging run forward, but also has been a vine you may have seen of him trying a rainbow flick, which didn't quite come off, but looked impressive nonetheless. The under-18s drew one all at West Ham this week, with Keziah Sterling getting our goal. After that result, we dropped down to third in the under-18 league table, but only two matches have been played. Kieran McKenna said after the match, the boys are disappointed not to have got the win, we dominated possession right through the game, really controlled the territory and had West Ham camped in their half, but unfortunately we didn't create as many clear-cut chances from our possession as we would have liked, and with the big chances that we did get, we didn't manage to take them. I think it was a fairly similar story for the under-21s who drew 3 all with City at their purpose-built academy stadium. Ken McAvoy, Ishmael Azawi and Christian Magomas scored our goals. Magomas' header had put us ahead in the last minute, but City had just enough time left to equalise. Hugo Ekiog said we've created about six or seven very good opportunities, but the boys haven't been ruthless enough in taking them. At the higher level, you've got to take those chances and the decision-making has got to be better. On to the listener questions. Firstly, I just wanted to apologise to Matt Hull and to Trunk. I was deeply patronising in my youth update last week when I listened back, but do send better questions. So, picking up where I left off last week... At Shawnee C5 says, Edwards doesn't seem to make the under-21 twenty squad, under 21 squad very often. Is he far away from the first team or are Spurs hiding him until he signs a professional deal? Um, Edwards is very small, so it's difficult for him to really uh, be trusted at under-21 level at the moment, I guess. I would imagine he's at least a year off playing regular under-21 football, although we'll probably see a glimpse from him uh, this season at that level. At Hampstar01 says, I was going to ask about Edwards as well. Any updates on whether he'll sign a deal with us? Not seen raw talent like that before. Well, yeah, Ed, uh, there's lots of talk about Edwards' his contract situation. Uh, there were problems last year, and I think there were problems with clashes with, a, with, with at least one coach in training. Now, when you say clash, you, you think of some kind of fight, but I don't think it was that serious. I think Edwards wasn't necessarily training as hard as um, what the coaches would have expected, Perhaps with him being friends of Reese Oxford, he's seen Oxford get first-team exposure or, or, or more exposure at West Ham, and he's disappointed that he's on a similar level or 
technically a higher level, but isn't getting the same kind of recognition as Spurs. You know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, I'm completely guessing, but that could be a, a reason behind some of his behaviour. Apparently that was all resolved. Edwards has really um, picked up his, his uh, intensity in training. I gather he's good friends with Kasaya Sterling, who I, I hear trains incredibly well and has a really good attitude. And hopefully uh, he's back on the right track now. Whether he'll sign a new contract, I'm not sure. I've heard he signed a pre-contract, but I don't know what that means in practical terms. At Anon Zero Max says, any chance of Marcus Edwards doing a Reese Oxford this season? And no, uh, basically for the reasons I mentioned already, I think because he's too small, um, Oxford is is more physically ready. Whereas Edwards is, I mean, he must be five foot five or six. He's tiny, and uh, he needs to sort of grow a bit and beef up a bit before he can be trusted at at first team level. At Matt45Davis says, with such talent coming through over the last few seasons now, why have we never done anything in the Youth Cup? It's a very good point, and I think it's probably partly because we tend to, uh, for the Youth Cup games, draft back in players who've been playing up at the under-21 level, which could disrupt the flow um, and momentum of a team. It also means they're not necessarily used to playing together as a, as a coherent unit. Um, aside from that... I don't know, maybe maybe partly if players drop down from under-21 level, they, they don't show the same level of commitment that an under-18 player desperate to impress might do. Again, I'm guessing it's, it's hard to know why. At the Tottenham Way says, excluding Onimar and Winks, is there anyone capable of doing a Reese Oxford in the near future? I think Walker Peters. Uh, I, I mean, he's small as well. He's another player that's very small and has some growing to do, but he's durable and he takes the knocks and he gets back up. Um... And he's a he's a really exciting dribbler uh, from from the right back position. He's also played a few times on the right wing in in recent weeks. Um, so he's obviously still able to play there. That was his original position before he got moved back to right back. But I really like uh, Walker Peters. I think he's he's going to be a star. At Vitonganator, that's a good at. Says with Fazio probably leaving and Dyer being used in defensive midfield, does Cameron Carter-Vickers have a chance of breaking through this year for cup games? Certainly, Fazio leaving would help his cause, and I think he'll he'll possibly get a look in in the Europa League. But there are a fair few centre backs ahead of him still in the pecking order. At Hotspur four two three says, "What do you make of Hugo Echiog's time at Spurs? Has he made any material changes, good or bad?" Difficult to say, really. I mean, Echiog seems a very stern character. He talks a good game. You wouldn't want to sort of get on his wrong side. Put it that way. He's got a quite intense stare when he's. He's on the Spurs TV clips and he, he does seem fairly strict, which is no bad thing, I think. Um, I mean, the other 21s play good football, but I would say that they've played good football since before Ekiog's time as well. But he certainly hasn't had a negative impact, that's for sure. At Spiggy Tope says, Why would you imagine Leeds United are being selected as the preferred partner for the loan of defensive midfielder Velkovic? Uh, so I told you last week or the week before that Velkovic might be going to Leeds and then it obviously all fell apart for various reasons. I think Leeds would have been selected because they're a high-profile, well-supported side that get good crowds and we probably want to expose Velkovic to that kind of environment. But if he's not going to get regular game time, then there's no point sending him there. At 1982BPC says, How close is Ken Minibale McAvoy to the first-team squad? Is alone move the next step in his development? Well, McAvoy will be helped by the fact that Ottawa's gone out on loan because it'll mean more more games for him on the 21 level. He was definitely behind Ottawa uh, and others, to be honest, in the pecking order. 
I don't think McAvoy is a first-team prospect for Spurs. I think a League One move eventually is more likely. Whether he gets a loan, which leads to us getting a fee for him, I'm not sure. He hasn't necessarily done particularly well out on loan, so it would be finding the right level to send him to. And at Tom Davy 88 had a similar question, so I hope I've answered your question about McAvoy as well. At Reg Welk says, your thoughts on 16-year-old spam player making a first team? Could it, should it happen at Spurs? I mean, it could happen. I think it's unlikely that we send a, fir- a 16-year-old through to the first team immediately. But when you've got someone like Carter Vickers, for example, who was physically well-developed enough at 16 to have held his own at that level, that's the kind of uh, scenario where you could see a player getting exposed to the first team very early. Harry Winks was training with our first team squad at 16 as well. So, you know, he didn't get any games, but he probably wasn't a million miles away. At Tim Hopkins says, how do we compare to the other big clubs in youth development and players making the senior squad better than most about the same? Um, Well, Chelsea and Man City have really impressive academies. Um, Chelsea's obviously won the uh, Youth Cup and the Under-18 League last season. Um, they have some exceptional talents there. Whether we're on a par with them, I, I'd say no, we're not quite. But for a, for a smaller club who probably has less money to invest on, on that side of things, we're doing well. Um, and we we certainly do better than a lot of the bigger clubs at that level. I think our youth academy is better than Arsenal's, for example. At Ben Borman 21 says, could you do a brief player profile on Cameron Carter Vickers and what chances there of him playing Europa Cup games this season? Um, let's do that next week so I can spend a bit more time on Cameron Carter Vickers. At Neil underscore I underscore Am 37 says, what youth players do we have as trialists? Where is Musi Yahaya? Has his permit been granted? Uh, I think I spoke about Yahaya last year, last week rather. Uh, I get the impression that he can. International clearances is in the offing. That might have happened by January. By then, we'll be able to register him for the under-18 league and we'll hopefully see him play a few matches. As for other trialists, I don't know. I don't really get that kind of information um, and I, I just wouldn't know where to find that kind of thing out unless it's reported in the press. So your guess is good as mine, Neil. Finally, at Gavin C one three seven says, which of the youth in the current twenty three man squad do you think will break out this season? He feels Onoma could be the hidden gem. Yeah, although not so hidden now, since he's been getting quite a bit of press exposure. So, Onoma is certainly one. I think Harry Winks has got a great chance because of the position he plays. He's he's more suited to the double pivot that Pochettino wants to to instil in the side. Um, like I mentioned before, Walker Peters, I think, could could impress if he's given an opportunity. And Cameron Carter-Vickers, if he gets a chance in the Europa League, he'll, he'll impress as well. So it's very positive. We've got lots of talented young players bubbling under the surface. And I'd hope for at least one or two of them to come through this year and become squad regulars. OK, that's it for this week. But if you're interested in more young players, follow me on Twitter at WindyCoys. That's Coys for Come On You Spurs. <laughs> Second half of the Fighting Cock podcast. Thanks a lot, Windy. Thank you. The Fighting Cock supports the campaign against living miserably. 12 men a day commit suicide. It is, in fact, the biggest killer of men aged under 45 in the UK. If you're feeling sad or low, talk to someone. It doesn't have to be someone you know. Calm, have a helpline open between 5pm and midnight. The number is 0808-802-5858. Leicester City at the weekend, they're top of the league. Yeah, top of the league. No one would have thought that. I mean, Ranieri, when he uh, he, he was made manager, 
everyone, there's a little bit of ridicule, a little bit of, you know, is he the right man for the job? And, and he may well not be. They may get relegated still, but they're essentially another win away from being a quarter of the way to safety. <laughs> we're, we're, five point, we're five points adrift of them, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're chasing Leicester City. Yeah, um, it was a strange one when he got appointed, wasn't it? Because it, it almost seemed, there was so much ridicule about it, it almost seemed a little bit of xenophobic, like it was an old little strange foreigner coming over. <laughs> Honestly, that's what it was, because I didn't hear a single positive word about any of it. And he's, you know, I know he's had a few ups and downs, but he's you managed some big clubs. If you lose to the Faroe Islands, you deserve to get grief. Sorry. And that's what he did. For Italy? No, for Greece. You, you yeah, they got their money Faroe away. Islands. Could have been, probably took it. That's probably, pretty bad. You don't it? lose to them, though. <laughs> Come on. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that, that's... Um, <clears throat> that was surprising. In, but they, I think they started the season pretty well last year. Uh, was it? They come up. They, they beat. They beat no, United. They, they beat United. Yeah, the five-three game. Five, three. De Maria scored that. So uh, and obviously, there was a little bit of worry around Leicester when Pearson left because he'd done a great job in getting them up and keeping them up. Um, but well, there's a, there a lot of discord around him because he's, he's meant to have been sacked, wasn't he, last season? And then they midway through, wasn't it? Yeah, it was all. He's bordering on psychopathic. Yeah. The guy. Um, he's a weird little bloke, isn't he? He's quite big. He's a unit. Yeah, he's uh, Ben. What do you think of Leicester? Have you seen them play this year? I haven't seen a lot of them, no. But I mean, um, I mean, Mari's looking very good. I think he'll be um, he'll, he'll be a worry. Um, again, I mean, Arne Altovich, I was kind of a little bit concerned about um, for the weekend because he was very, very good at the three 0 game at Stoke last season. Mari's again looks like a wide player in really good form. Looks like he's <coughs> playing well as well. It looks like it's mm-hmm. not a very good time to play Leicester because they'll be they'll be full of confidence. And they gave Spurs a real game in, in both games last season. Uh, they were really unlucky. Yeah, in, in a way. As as Stoke did as well so it's another one of those games where um, yeah I mean like, all of a sudden you're just looking at it now kind of going you know with, with, with not necessarily saying we're massively concerned about Spurs but but going in the past you might have thought well that, that should be should be three points Spurs are quite decent on the road you know and now who knows um, I think it would be a really really it's tough game what a couple of results do yeah absolutely because yeah. if we'd won those games or even drawn against drawn against United and beat Stoke everyone would be really positive in the exact same uh, watching the exact same performances as we did yeah they, everyone would be in a positive mood and now we're not we're looking at Leicester City and thinking fuck <laughs> I, I, I think I think the danger is as well it's almost a no-win situation at the weekend in that you know Spurs might still go to Leicester as favourites almost mm. and you know if, if you beat them then everyone will go well yeah you know there we go finally Spurs have got the season up and running and Leicester are never going to stay up there if you don't win then all of a sudden it's you know Spurs have got two points from three games or, or you know one point from three games and it's you know you really need to come away from there with it you know with, with a good result and a good performance That's panic stations to a certain extent because Harry um, Redknapp when he came in we were two points for eight games okay. so, so who was yeah. saying that so I think it was Bardi said all he kept saying to me like after the 80th minute or after the 85th minute was like fucking hell we're going to be two points from eight <laughs> but um now Leicester beating West Ham last week isn't to be sniffed at in the sense that you, West Ham came off a big win against Absolutely. Arsenal the tails are up it was um, Billich's return to um, Upton Park mm. in the league so you know obviously there was that hanging around the game Oxford come off a good game so for them to did he start today? he did yeah he, he struggled yeah but, but, but for them to do as well as they have I think they've signed um, the guy from Mainz I can't pronounce his name fucking was that he's the one Japanese written, yeah Japanese fellow. Yeah, right, okay. But he. Definitely <laughs> 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 not. We are not xenophobic, I swear. No. But, um, but no, it looked, like, it looked like they did quite well. And we will, we will have our work cut. But I think, as Ben said, it's a no win situation. If we beat them 3 0, they weren't that good anyway. And if we lose, then. 
death threats. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think I think if we if we went up there and did a and did a decent job, you know, like I say similar performances as to, as to what we've had, but come away with a, with a two 0 win, I, th- I think people would probably say. I think, I think you're probably right. It probably all depends on the performance on it in this game. It's I think the fans would be happy if we went out there and won two yeah. nil. I'd be over, I'd be over the moon. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got to be a convincing performance. Yeah. And yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, at the moment I'll take any even a scrappy win like last year. To be honest, I, I oh, they're you, the best ones. I love those ones. Yeah. I love it when you just take it out of them and they deserve all of it and you just take it. Yeah, they're the best. Yeah. And when, I like the ones when you're, you're undeserving, like yeah. when you get a really bad penalty. Yeah, like, do you remember Zakoro against? I think it was Birmingham Portsmouth Oh Portsmouth it was and he, he died like, it, was, yeah. it was ridiculous he turned yeah. on the box he turned in the box yeah. player kind of lifted his leg but he dived massively yeah. but I loved it yeah. I loved every minute mm-hmm. I remember there was a bit of a furore over that at the time wasn't there yeah yeah, yeah. it was we terrible we do that with Spurs well yeah I had that as well I mean I like game, the game to be played in the right way but I also like hearing the the hearts break of the old ways of course <laughs> children's tears children's tears are the best kind of tears mm. not if, not across life but just in football stadiums <laughs> children crying generally are quite bad you know I don't like that <laughs> every week <laughs> uh, Leicester have signed a player called Christian Fox <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Yes. That's not how you pronounce his surname. Fuchs. So it'd be Northern. It's 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 almost blasphemous, isn't it? Yeah. He's, I, I don't. I think he came on the sub last week. So I don't well, anyone know anything yet. about him at all? What is he? He's German. No. I don't, <laughs> I don't think what you're asking me. Where's he play? I don't know. He signed from what is he he's signed, German? He's, he's signed from Schalke. So. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You can see Ben. Our, our understanding of the game. Uh, yeah, he's Austrian. He's Austrian. <laughs> <laughs> our understanding of our opposite. Our, our previews are rubbish. Yeah. Essentially, because we don't really know anything. I, I start worrying about the opposition on like a Tuesday afternoon, and this is you know it's, it's just a few hours too early. Yeah. Yeah. If you ask me tomorrow evening, I'll be an expert. Yeah. <laughs> the fighting court is kind of split between football knowledge and dickheads. Yeah. <laughs> Down the line, yeah. we're the best ones. We are the best ones. <laughs> the dickheads. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they did. They did beat West Ham, and uh, I, you know, I, did, I went. I went down to Ball Street and did this prediction. You can see it on YouTube, but I'm not sweaty this time. Um, yeah, and we did this predictor league, and the West Ham fan there is lovely chap. To be fair, uh, it, it, it was kind of waxing lyrical about West Ham that they're going to be in like a unsuspecting team. They're going to finish halfway up the league, and then uh, they lose to Leicester after playing West Ham uh, after playing Arsenal and you can kind of understand it because you can only play against the opposition that's in front of you and different tactics bring out different performances and they played against Arsenal in the perfect system but Leicester obviously brought something different Hmm. and one way or another they lost that game and I'm just wondering whether or not Pochettino is going to be able to circumnavigate Ranieri's genius God knows (laughs) I I actually thought Danny Rose would be back is he, yeah. thought, is he fit now? Look, he's on the bench, right? Yeah. Pochettino said he's got a fully fit squad to pick from, and Pritchard wasn't in the squad, and um, Rose mm. didn't even start. To be fair, Davies did brilliantly for the goal to, to make the assist. Yeah, but didn't he fuck up for the second? Yeah, right. But he did good for the goal. Why? Right? He focus on the positive for once in a <laughs> yeah. while. He surprised me. I didn't I thought it was that him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he did he, well. He was beaten in the air a few times in his own box, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, which which wasn't wasn't ideal. And just he's not. Oh. He's just not as. Dynamic, in particular when we've got possession in our own half and starting something and starting some type of move, he's, he's yeah. just nowhere near as, as. I don't think he's a fullback. He doesn't seem to have the dynamism, as you said. He doesn't seem to have the mobility. The modern what, day. Fullback. What is he then? He's, I think he's. I mean, I think Windy said his best game was at centre back. 
Maybe. Is that where he played? he's played there for Wales a few times? Yeah, I think he played there in one of our Europa League games. And, We've got um, about 400 of them. I know, I know, so... I don't know what the future is for him, I suppose. I think within 18 months he'll be, he'll be gone. I think he's... I th- I think, I think, <laughs> Fuck you, Ben Davies, you're gone. Well, Get out of our club! We've just gone from going, that's probably one of his more progressive games, so if you're going to go on in 18 months. No, but You really I... are doomed these days. Doomed. No, no, it's not, it's not that at all. I mean, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about our transfer policy later on, but um, <laughs> I do I do feel that... Um, I, I don't know how much longer he is going to be at Spurs for. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I think just tickle me the way he said it. I think what's interesting is everyone's said, oh, look, look how well Rose progressed last season, yeah. given the competition from Davis. Oh. I think what was interesting was the improvement from Rose given the lack of competition from Davis yeah. you know, I, I think you know, he, he, yeah, he, he came in and a lot of people expecting him to be the first choice left back and replace Rose and Rose might even leave Yeah. Uh, towards the end of the season when Rose really really kicked on probably around February March time I think Davis just, you know, just wasn't in the same class going forward or defensively I thought Rose was probably consistently one of the best players at the back end of last Absolutely. season I'm quite surprised he didn't start the weekend um, yeah, yeah. Do you, I mean every single time they, uh, Rose has been out of the squad we've struggled mm. or out of the first team we've, we, we've struggled and, yeah. and, and, and we've been talking about it for a couple of seasons now is that he offers something that very few fullbacks do you know he's very direct he's defensively he's not amazing but he offers something to the team going forward and the way football's played these days is that fullbacks are increasingly important going forward yeah. they offer width the only real width now because you play this free behind the front man uh, I, I can't wait for him to be back in the squad I think we'll see a slightly different and more improved Tottenham with Danny Rose in yeah. that team. Yeah, I mean, even with the assist, I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone could believe it was him. No one could believe it was him that I had the pitch <laughs> and, and make, making an impact. But um, but that's that's how he's maybe listening or being coached. Maybe that's a game that's being being coached into him a bit more. Well, I hope so. Things change very quickly at Tottenham, you know. Hmm. Poor little Trippier. Oh yeah, just can't get on a pitch. Yeah, shouldn't have cut his hair. But did he cut his hair? Yeah. Right. I think I think what we're probably forgetting is the number of games that are going to start up. Yeah, it's exactly, the yeah. One Cup, Europa League, haven't had yet. That's going to come in. I think there's going to be more than enough games to go around, and yeah. um, that's going to be a really good battle at right back. It's just um, I think it'd be be nice to see a little bit more of a, of a battle at left back. Mm. Okay, so uh, what are predictions for Leicester? We'll win two one. Uh, I said draw for Stoke. I'm going to go draw again. Uh, one one or two two. It's not very positive, is it, Ben? It's uh, subjective. Mm. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> uh, I genuinely think we'll walk it. 3 0. I think 5 0 Spurs. Mm. Okay. Uh, Soldado's gone. Yes. <laughs> Are you happy about this, T? Yes. Why have you done to him for... Oh, go on and let him have his... Yeah, because you know how he feels about him. Yeah, well, I've got some stuff to he, say. He hasn't forgiven him since uh, Fiorentina. No. And, and to be fair, he, he single-handedly was at uh, fault for us not winning that competition. <laughs> but um, I wanted him to be so good. I really loved Soldado. I love his attitude and he's, he's kind of... His desire. There was this uh, picture of him and a quote that he made a, 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 on leaving. Is that a real quote? Yeah, so yeah, he wrote, yeah. He wrote a letter. He wrote an open letter to yeah, the phone. Yeah. So apologising for not delivering. Effect, essentially, yeah. We put out a tweet is. saying, "Did we? Did we? Did, did, did Tottenham Hotspur fail Soldado, or did Soldado fail Tottenham Hotspur?" That irritated me so much. Go on. Well, where you go? It's a question. No, no, no. It's not. I'm not. I'm not digging around. I'm just saying. Right, people are saying. Up, people so. are saying that Spurs failed Soldado. I think that's. I think that's utter bollocks. Well, why did he do so well at Valencia and not Spurs then? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't an answer to me. Oh, I don't know. Go on. What's it? No, I'm just saying that. <laughs> 
People have said that Spurs failed him, but I don't think Spurs failing him is him missing chance after chance from a yard out, which is what he would do with alarm and regularity. And what was annoying about Fiorentina wasn't the fact that he missed, because everyone misses. It's just the... He just didn't have no accountability, any responsibility for it. I just thought, well, you know, I know you're a lovely bloke, but just fuck off out of my club. How do you, <laughs> how do you, how do you take responsibility? What do you mean in terms of take responsibility? Look for at the it? charts again. Yeah, yeah. tell me, tell yeah, me what responsibility did he take? Yeah, no, but I saw my how. Oh, you mean take responsibility of making sure he doesn't fuck up? Well, he could have done two things: pass it properly. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like, like after like the an, fact, like, like he like then goes, goes and walks up to the fans and goes like that after he's done it. And then. Or just put it in the net, which... which yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I get what you're saying. Exactly. A lot of people are apologising for him because he's a nice guy and nothing will... Football, I mean, Harry Kane is, is ideal because he's, you know, he's a lovely <coughs> fellow, he's got a bit of a social media presence and he actually works his arse off his players and what he does comes off. And for some strikers, sometimes you'll have a run of form and nothing comes off. But when it's two seasons, you just think, well, I think you're the problem, mate. <laughs> yeah. You're, anyway. prob- you're probably right. Yeah, yeah probably right. Right. I mean, uh, even, even, even if, if Spurs' tactics didn't suit his, his play, it didn't kind of account for the terrible misses. I, just, I think at that level. I'm just not sure it's a, a, a tactical thing, really. I mean, just, you know, even halfway through his first season, you were looking at him going, everyone's just kind of, you know, on, on Twitter or whatever saying, you know, oh, well, he's not going to score this kind of goal. He's not going to score that kind of goal. You know, he's not going to tower above a centre-back and head it in. Mm-hmm. He's not going to score a 20-yarder, you know, like Jermaine Defoe used to, you know, create that kind of goal out of nothing. He's not going to race in behind the defence. What, what and, is and he going to do? What kind of goal is he going to score? And then everyone went, it's low crosses. Seriously, it's low crosses and our wingers don't do that. So mm-hmm. it's Townsend's fault or it's ABB's fault or whoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They put, you know, when he ever really got a low cross, you know, he's, he's what hit the bar from six yards. There was another one who took an awkward bobble and he put that wide, and that was a difficult chance. It just got to the stage where, you know, it's, we're making a lot of excuses for someone whose confidence is clearly very, very low. And yeah. when he did score a goal again, like Lamella, when something does come off, it, you don't see that, you know, you don't suddenly see someone gain confidence and kick on. It just seemed like, it, you know, one of those classic cases of someone really struggling to adapt to English football, um, yeah. struggling yeah. against English defenders, whatever that was. Uh, you, you wrote some stuff about Soldado. <laughs> no. So you've got nothing to say about Soldado? Yeah, yeah. My, my issue isn't with Soldado is the fact that, uh, that he hasn't performed and hasn't gone. My, my issue on on social media and all the rest of it was the the ritual that went towards the people that said, oh, well, good luck to you, you know, shame it didn't work out, good luck. There seemed to be a real part of the Spurs fan base that genuinely want him to to just melt into, in, you know, in some kind of furnace. But... But, and it seemed like anyone that was even sticking up for him, not not even sticking up for him, just the fact of like that whole open lecture and saying, look, I, I wouldn't swap it for the world. It's it's not worked out. I've tried my best. It hasn't worked out. I thought that was a nice thing to do. And people were saying, oh, it's only because he's got good social media skills that people even like him. That's yeah, cynics. But, no, but that's fine. I don't I don't care. We moan about all the time about our greedy people that we can't relate to in yeah. any way, shape, or form. And, and then they go the other way, and we still slag them off. Don't you think it's a nice thing that a footballer who earns fifty grand a week actually takes the time out of his day to? Yeah, he doesn't gain anything to, from it from us now. Yeah, because he? he's, he's he's had you know two seasons of dog shit. He's shouting at him, like pointing at you as I'm saying. <laughs> two seasons of dog shit, and actually if. Someone takes time to, to relate to their fans, even if all right, an open letter isn't the. What are you laughing at? Yeah, no, because of what I'm going to say. Go on, no, what are you going to say? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like it's you, the way you lot are going. It's like if Harold Chipman fucking writes an open letter, so you know what? <laughs> I'm sorry, I killed off a bunch of you just compared Soldado to Harold Chipman? Yes, I have. <laughs> I'm thinking. That's, no. like, that's a new low. Yeah, that is, that is a <laughs> You've new ruined low. Spurs' lives. But look, um, all just aside, I think. 
You know, I'm quite cynical, but I think him writing that letter was quite cool, and it's nice to see the fans have a have a rapport with the player. And um, that's something. Well, maybe I'd like to see a bit more, but hopefully, it'll be a case of Harry Kane, where the player is actually performing and is getting and is worthy of the praise. I think with um, with Soldado, as Ben said, you know, oh, if you put in this cross or that cross, I think people are making excuses for him. And people said um, that Spurs had failed him. I thought, no, this is really upsetting me now. Okay, so we've uh, we've signed and and Joe Clinton and Joe Clinton. His first name's Njai. Apparently, so I just I just saw on the video. Well, Spurs put something on online, kind of where he, you know, which they seem to have to do for every signing now, where he announces yeah. his own name. Yeah. It was massively more confusing afterwards. <laughs> uh, they had to go and speak to the press officers and say, right, okay, well, how do we say this guy's um, name? Yeah. Um, Clinton and Jai and Jai Clinton, some, some, something like that. People okay. call Clint. Clint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's easy. Yeah, yeah. Toby and Clint. Yeah. Uh, he's the, uh, fast. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know a great deal about him, but. Um, Last season was almost his breakup. It didn't start. I don't think it started loads and loads of games. But I think in terms of um, goals and assists per minute, he got fairly decent numbers. So he's very raw. He's. Um, I'm guessing from the little I've seen him, he's a bit like Sadio Mane, where he plays out wide. They can play in the middle if, if yeah. need be. He played at the weekend, didn't he, Mane? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> Why are you doing this to I, me? I, I, when we was watching the game on the weekend, what game? The money. Do you remember I was saying about? Um, you were pissed, weren't you? I, I was. So we, I, I, I thought for one second, just a second, <laughs> that uh, Diouf was money. Money. Oh yeah, 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 second, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I confused Stoke with Southampton. I was pretty drunk as well, and the guy looks kind of looks from a distance. They look, look alike. <laughs> they're, about, they're about a foot different to the height. Wow. Yeah, but not from not from uh, two hundred yards. He ain't. Anyway, well, look, look, my port, like you know, inbuilt racism came out a little bit. To be fair, but um. My point is, I want to apologise oh. live on air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't remember what we're talking about. We're yeah. talking about Enjoy, and um, yeah, I think maybe he'll play. Him. Do, do you think he'll play on Saturday? I, no, no, I think it's. I, I think it's a little early. He like, trained today. I think he, he took he didn't train today, I think he's yeah. like a prospect. When someone says raw, right? What do you think? In my head. If someone passes to him from twenty yards or more, it's going to bounce off his knee and yes, go. Yeah. That's the kind of feeling I have, and that, that's not saying that he will be like that. But that, uh. I think I think what he'll what he'll bring if he does play Saturday or even the following weeks. I think what what he'll bring, and from everything that I've tried to read about him, is that like you say, very raw, uh, very quick. You know, just very very much the un, you know unfinished article. But it will be a question of. Of him adding pace, and pace is something that uh, is, is just so key. Even if it's not him actually affecting what that the, the ball that is being played to him, it's just something that gives the team something to think about. Because pace is certainly nothing that they have to worry about when it comes to Tottenham right now. What do you know about him, Ben? Oh, it just sounds like from again what I've read, I haven't seen a great deal. Um, a colleague who covers Arsenal said he saw him in the Emirates Cup and said, although Leon got smashed 6-0 um, he looked one of the better players so that's pretty encouraging <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah it's, um, it sounds like I mean we've all been trying to work out is, is he the, the second striker you know that is going to provide competition for, for Kane because apparently he can play in a few positions my, my guess is he's going to be one of those players who plays off the front yeah. and the fact that you know we're not necessarily sure whether he can play on a couple of, <coughs> couple of um, flanks and through the middle it gives Pochettino options to um, you know play in different positions and then, and then, and then you know, he, can, he can move from side to side he can switch them during the game like he sometimes does with with Chadley and Eriksson he yeah. can he can uh, you know switch positions with players and I think that's what Pochettino is trying to work towards but we still haven't seen enough of and I think if he could have a few players there who are completely comfortable in 
playing in various roles and can interchange <coughs> positions properly yeah. and have pace, um, then then I think that's more. You know, it looks like maybe that's what Pochettino is, is looking at because he's been talking about adding pace to the side. With 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 raw pace like that, it does. Cause everyone talks about oh, we have no plan B, which I seem to hear every fan of every club always always says about about their team, but. Mm. When you have pace like that, it, it then does give it. If he does have to play up top, and you can play a different type of game of playing on the shoulder of a last man yeah. and that type of thing, which again we just haven't got at the minute. And also, you know, how, how many times do we see Spurs players running in behind the back four, getting getting in behind their full back, getting onto a long ball, something like that? It's um, it tends to be you know a lot of the time in front of the defence. Yeah. You've got your, your wide men cutting in and trying to create room to get a shot off, but it's rarely rarely in behind them. So um, hopefully, hopefully that's what he's going to bring to the team. Mm. Okay, and it looks likely that Berrino is going to sign for Spurs. I wish Jordan said that now. Why? Because if he doesn't, we look like cunts. All right, oh, no, because we... you just said it looks like he might. I know, so I was kind of hoping he just wouldn't read that part. What I, yeah. what I said, Ben, he didn't mean that about you. You were just talking That's... about a general fighting cock. No, <laughs> we make ourselves look like female parts on a very Sorry. often basis. Um, I'm excited about that, though. I think. Jeffrey... I think... No, but seriously, if, if you do sign him, his, his numbers are pretty good. Yeah, yeah and, and you know he scored 20 goals last season. Kane scored 31. That's a 50-goal partnership, isn't it? Sure. Four Guaranteed. Missed Posh. an absolute sitter on Saturday, though, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was poor. All right, we won't go into too much, just in case he doesn't sign. Uh, questions from the people that listen to the fighting cock. God bless you. Uh, Jace, what the fuck? Jay-sar, Jace-sar says, do you think Dembele... Huh? From Reddit. Jay Sar from Reddit. Do you think Dembele is impressing on the right? Um, we've answered this, haven't we? Yeah, I've All right. Sorry, Jay Sar. Well, you'd be pleased to the first half. All right, second question. Luke Seaborn from Facebook says, what's the one main thing which has caused the regression from the Champions League side? <laughs> um, That's a meaty question. I would say replacing players with ones who aren't as good. But it's really hard. How do you place Bale? How do you place Modric? It's yeah, impossible. but I mean, they had what 100 million pounds to spend, and, and it's been um, you know fairly fairly obviously they haven't done that very well. And if they'd spent that money better, then um, you know hopefully be seeing seeing a better team. I struggle with the whole spending money better idea though, because when you looked at it and you saw people, like I said, as much as we've just talked about Soldado, when you looked at numbers and you looked at everything in black and white, you know we were all excited about it. There's no getting yeah, sure. around it. Yeah. The same with maybe not quite as much with Lamella, but you know there was a huge amount of excitement that might have been more to do with a fee than anything else mm. you know Christian I think it's hard, it's very easy to say in hindsight about the money and we're in that difficult situation of when we didn't after we didn't make it uh, the next year when Chelsea won in the final which was 100% Redknapp's fault um <laughs> Then, um, he's, then, then we were in that horrible situation of being between Champions League and Europa League and having to go in that second tier of players and if you're forced to shop in that value you're not going to get the same players that you had before mm. well, uh, <coughs> Adam Michi who was on the pod a while back yeah. um, he did a tweet the other day saying since the summer of 2012 we've purchased 23 players and only five of them have given us any kind of return and those five would be Luis, Vertonghen, Eriksson, Shadley and Eric Dial. Well, so, so he's agreeing with me. So yeah, it's just, I just, I just, I just think that um, people say Spurs should spend money, but we've, we have spent it quite badly. But I mean, I agree with both because Alex made the point that um, the the level that we're shopping at, we're going to, we are going to take gambles. I mean, you've got people like um, Chelsea can just buy um, Hazard and Costa, and they're they're they're, they're the finished article. We've got to buy people like um, prospects. Yeah. People are prospects, or people like um, Soldado is just bubbling below the surface. Like and Modric and Bale were. I mean, yeah. when we yeah. signed them, I, I hadn't heard of Luke Modric. No, and 
He raped. Uh, he destroyed England. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even drunk. I don't even know why I said that. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> but even Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool don't have money-wise. I don't have that much. But the wage power that Liverpool have. I yeah, mean, we've seen do. that with Milner. You know, Milner. Uh, you know, me and you in particular. 150 yeah, grand a week. Isn't you know, it? yeah, which we're never going to be able to do. No, so, no. when you get stuck into that into that bracket. It's it's so difficult, and I and I think agree with you. People say, "Oh, spend the money, spend the money," and it's like, on on what? Did, I'd rather it? us do it this way. And personally, I'd rather us just give it all to the kids and just let us watch it do that. Yeah. Like, fucking much more I, fun. I think obviously, clearly, it's, it's very complicated. <laughs> you know, you could come up with, with lots of reasons, you know, managerial instability, um, everything along with it. You know, if the question is what's the one main thing, um, and you could just got to kind of you know just come up with an answer rather than fudge it. Then I just look at that team. You know, you know, Bale. Adeboyo up front you've got mm-hmm. Van der Vaart in behind Modric in behind you know with the exception of Adeboyo who's still there they've sold these players and they got good money for them you know we know Daniel Levy gets good money for them they didn't mm-hmm. leave on the cheap and they had that money to spend and they made and you know they, they own these players it's mm-hmm. not, not being naive enough to suggest that if they're under contract they just don't go full stop yeah. but you know they got a huge offer for Bale they got very good money for Modric and, and had money to, to replace them um, and if you look at it now and go is that team as good as that as that no, team not, yeah. and is this team good enough for the top four I think you'd have to say no and, yeah. and, and so decisions have been made along the way over the last few years where that team has become this team and mm. um, I think you have to say you know man for man it, it, it's not as strong and it's not strong enough yeah. but in also you've got the um, the the, the rise of Man City as well. Um, when we when we finished fourth, City was still exactly. on the up. So now we're competing with. Well, there's a top four. Liverpool are just outside, even though they finished above them last season, fortuitously. Mm. I think it's going to be very hard for us to get Champions League plays again. I think now what we've got to do is just try and um, get a stable squad together yeah. and buy more sensibly. But there's no scientific way of doing that. Yeah, we look at so we look at Southampton. And they, you know they're bought centre. You look at um, Swansea in a lesser degree. They buy um, IU who looks half decent it so far. And go Mises scores off like nine and seven or seven and nine. So it's a it's what a. Can you do? So, no, I mean every squad, every team goes through periods of having brilliant sides. Hmm. You know Arsenal had that team in two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah. Their team isn't as good and hasn't been as good since then. Players of. Modric and Bale's calibre don't come along very often and no matter you know you might have 100 million to spend but you can't go out and buy another Gareth Bale because there's only one of him and there's probably only in his position uh, uh, someone who's greater than him and he plays on the same side as him so they're they're, they're that rare Um, it's just one of those things you have great sides and your side peters off and you buy great players we're not we are going to see in our lifetimes players as good and as economically sound with the ball was Modric oh, we will see them at Spurs again but it's going to take a while yeah. but teams teams turn on moments and I think the Chelsea, Chelsea beaten Bayern Munich that night was something that turned yeah. horribly in our favour the fact is we shouldn't have been in that position favorite. anyway because of because of fucking red map we shouldn't have been in that position in the first place there's a sackable offence in itself losing that many points to us with that late on but if that, and it's quite well known that if we if Chelsea had lost that game uh, Eden, Eden Hazard has said himself that he was that he was pretty much you know it was pretty much pretty much there and who knows that someone sees someone like Eden Hazard sign and, and it, it changes all sorts of things so teams turn on moments and you know we, we weren't unlucky because Chelsea win we were we were unlucky that we had Redknapp as a manager at that time. I, I think yeah I agree that the moment that always stands out for me is when Spurs were 2-0 up at the Emirates against Arsenal oh, and that game was they were already 10 points clear of them mm-hmm. had they won 2-0 that day they yeah. would have been 13 points exactly. not sure Arsenal were coming back from that instead Arsenal come back 
win 5-2 huge boost Spurs have you know their form dipped after that and we've since found out really that Arsenal you know really needed Champions League football regularly to kind of pay for the kind of signings that they've, they've had I think that was a you know that was a huge the Villa game on the last day was the one that really stood out stood out for us when uh, when he was making it, the, the team that day was just yeah anyway can we move on yeah that was honestly the, those 30 seconds of what you just said Ben was the worst we've ever recorded <laughs> <laughs> I felt my heart breaking all over again alright and uh, we've got a question from Ryan Trail from Twitter he asked as, as a Spurs fan from the North West who goes to games when possible I'm interested interested to know how you feel about Northern fans I think this is on the back of the two discussions we've had on the previous two podcasts about international fans <coughs> and I'm worried <laughs> that he might think uh, that, that we were aiming this at someone who doesn't live near Tottenham um, and, and how far this is going to go because we might get emails from people who live in Watford yeah, and say, yeah, exactly. and say uh, you know, <clears throat> what do you think about people that don't live in Tottenham and uh, look, I, get, I get it because there is there are some parallels I guess because someone who lives in the North West isn't going to be able to get to games as often as someone who lives in Holloway or wherever else or, or Crouch End as I have done um, I don't think anything about it really uh, hmm? uh, my, my rule in my head and again I've softened on this is the team you should support is either the one you have adopted from your parents because if I hadn't done that and I supported my local team I'd be an Arsenal yeah, fan just hoping you wouldn't say that. Well, I'm saying it as, uh, to make a point because <laughs> if you su- just support your local team, you could nearly end up making a horrible decision or, or have a decision made for you. Mm-hmm. I'd have supported QPL. There, there you go. Who is Bristol, Bristol City? Bristol City. Um, so you know, it's it's just one of those things, really. Um, but the fact is, you know, if you, I don't, I don't know. It's, I, I it's, think I can see I can see where people think it because obviously I was from you know Bristol like where I've driven up from today. Yeah. Um, and um, you know it's quite I've got a couple of, of people that I grew up with as Spurs mates. Shout out to my mate Dan Newman. He loves the podcast. But, Does he? Uh, yeah. Big yeah. Dan. Um, Is he big? Uh, he's got a big head. <laughs> um, but and we were we were those players we were those people you know from Southwest Did you get that went, to White, uh, went to White, uh no I don't think so actually I mean there was quite a, quite a few of us actually as it went but again no matter where you go even though we're in the middle of the West Country there's more United and Liverpool fans than there are than there are Bristol City or Bristol Rovers so I don't know whether those parallels are, uh, are there anymore you know and we would just say we would come the only time they ever come up to White Lane is 1882 or, or whatever it might be um, but I, I still felt as connected to the club as. As, as as I have not as much since I've come here, obviously, but is, there's still a connection there. Um, from my point of view, I mean, I ain't really from a where you're at, as I've said in, on the podcast <laughs> before. Um, but it's all arbitrary. It's like it doesn't really matter what I think at the end yeah, of the exactly. day. I have my opinions. Not all of them are, are agreeable. It's, it's just my opinion. I mean, a good mate of mine travels from Birmingham every week. Is a season ticket holder. He's been a season ticket holder for. About ten years, goes home and away. Um, you know, he goes to many more games than I do. You know, I mean, I think um, when I said what Spurs meant to me a couple of weeks ago, I said what it meant to me. No, I didn't say every single Spurs fan has to be from London. I'm saying what Spurs represent to me is being from London. Hmm. That's just me personally. The game's changed, uh, and well, beyond uh, and recognition, <coughs> it is. And, and to be fair, to be fair, there's always been a culture in England of supporting a team for whatever reason. Uh, based on your own choice you know you've always had people coming down from the north to follow Spurs yeah. and obviously with Man United and they get some stick for it of having Cockney Reds yeah. uh, you know get a stick for glory hunting but you could never be accused of glory hunting by being a Spurs fan it's no. just not 
it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and certainly in the last 30 years. And there's been moments of, of quality, but by and large, it's been quite frustrating. Yeah. So it's not about glory hunting. It's not about... <clears throat> You know, I don't know what the reasons were that uh, Ryan Trail, you know, follows Spurs, but support. I don't even issue. Most of the time, it'll be from adopted. It'll be from adopted from parents or from you know close members of family. It really doesn't matter. I'm 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 going to Leicester on Saturday, and I'm not going to ask every person I see, "Oh, where you're from? Why do you support Spurs?" For I'm just like, we'll just get on with it, don't we? Mm. I think there's 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 fans all over the world as well, and there's ones in in America and Australia who get up at you know ridiculous times in the morning to watch Mm. Spurs games, and we can say they're less they're lesser fans than than the ones who are kind of streaming it from home in North London. You know, and and then you know I've probably been guilty in the past of there's, a, there's the whole argument of you know when someone's got an opinion you say well were you at the game you know because, because I wasn't there there's, there's something attached to that mm. these days who can afford to be at the game and, and then you know also you might be on a massive waiting list and, you, and you'd absolutely love to be at the game and, you know and then you'd go to every game if you could you just you're on that waiting list or you can't afford to well you get, you get some uh, Spurs fans that are, are kind of season ticket holders and, and they dig out fans like members who don't go to every game yeah. and saying well your opinion isn't valid because yeah. you haven't been going year in year out I think everyone's opinion is always valid, and that's you know that's one of the great things about Twitter is that that everybody's now got a voice, and everyone can can challenge what they're reading, everyone can challenge what they're hearing. It's why well, everyone loves Twitter. Bad. What? Sorry, that's good and bad. Everyone having an opinion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's why everyone bad. loves football, though, because yeah, it is. It's why we do this. It's why there's so many other podcasts out there. Why everyone everyone talks about, and they all give their own tactical analysis on Twitter every day. We don't know fuck all, but it's because <laughs> we love it. That, that's since doing the podcast. That's the kind of sum total of my opinion of. Yeah. of Football fans generally is no one really knows anything, and, uh, other than Windy. <laughs> oh, obviously, other than Windy, but, but <coughs> there's this thing where you kind of people make a, uh, massive generalizations and create very distinctive points about subjects. They have no idea what's happening. That you know the arguments that, w- that Levy hasn't signed the correct players in the right time before the start of the season yeah. isn't a hundred percent valid because. As I'd imagine, it's quite difficult to sign a footballer. It's not as straightforward as saying, well, we need everyone before the start of the season. Exactly. Play- teams are going to know that players are going to be, uh, the, 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 the chairman are going to be, ham- you know, desperately trying to sign players before the start of the season. Their price, I'd imagine, and this is again another generalisation, the week before the season starts goes up. And then when the season, uh, the football starts, it, it comes back down again. So. Levy's job is to spend the money that that we have in the bank account shrewdly, and he always has done that. I think. I think the interesting thing is uh, how many weeks ago, about five weeks ago, was that day when Spurs announced the new stadium deal and Alderweireld, mm. and everybody's you know loving Levy. He's always the best chairman in the league, always underrated, and all that kind of thing. I was just saying, let's just see how long this lasts for, mm. yeah. you know, because you know I think you know I think he is a very shrewd businessman. He gets good good value for all the players he sells and that kind of thing. Um, and the stadium project does seem to be moving forward, and I think that that stadium shouldn't be forgotten in all of this. I mean, I've just said, you know, I think if there's one thing you'd look at since um, since Spurs were in the Champions League it's, it's, it's a decline in player quality but you know, let's, let's not forget this stadium because it may well be that um, you know this is this is the period that, that Arsenal you know went through when they were building a stadium and they couldn't afford to, to, to spend as much money on players. Well, they um, had the Champions League. As well. It may well well be that, that, that 10, 15 years from now, Spurs fans look back in hindsight and go, yeah, we had you know we had these years when we were filling gaps with our academy players, but you know, but look at us now. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's it from the uh, Fighting Cup podcast. We've got what we called for a second. Uh, ben, thank you so much for coming. My down. pleasure. I was going to say, when, where can they find you on Twitter, Ben? 
I'm not going to plug my own Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not going to be that guy. Follow yeah. me on Flav underscore Bateman. <laughs> uh, I've changed mine recently to Alex from Bristol. <laughs> 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 you didn't hear that. <laughs> what is it? What Sorry. is it? No, fuck you. <laughs> no, you need followers. Go on. You do actually. <laughs> Alex from Bristol. I've changed it from Razor Rica because Bardi and T were bullying me about. It. And I'm Thelonious for thought. Oh, oh let's see. We're all getting on there. Ben, plug your Twitter. Come, come on. on. Uh, at Ben Pierce. Yeah, yes. you do. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, thank you so much for coming down and taking your time out in, in the week. It's um, it's always great when we have guests on because it changes the dy- dynamic of the show. Does, yeah. When last week was just a mess. I mean, it was great. It was glorious. You uh, four back together though. Yeah, it was good. It was. We, we enjoy it, but um, we talk less shit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, we can download the app. There's still a f- couple of po- uh, fanzines left. Um, you can download the free app. Uh, it's on iPhone and Android. And Android There's yeah. an Android as well. Um, uh, and we're designing new T-shirts. Yep, and I've said that for about three weeks. Yeah, we are yeah, actually yeah. doing it. And also, we'll start our work on um, the next fanzine too. So, hopefully, before the end of this year, that should be. No, yeah. before that, we're, we're trying to before put out two. Two, yeah. We're trying to be fun, you know. Yeah, yeah, play it down. Yeah. Give, give him a deadline. Yeah, but makes a yeah. like some sort of. He's on it. German dictator on, on this. <laughs> <laughs> He's that militant. <laughs> um, okay, so this anyway. has been the Flying Cock. Uh, thank you for downloading, and we'll see you next week. Come you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Summer's not over yet. Shop patio furniture to extend your summer fun at NFM. All the outdoor styles you love are on sale and ready to take home today. Shop hundreds of options in stock with savings up to 70% off, all backed by our low price guarantee. Shop outdoor dining, sofas, bistro sets, fire pits, accessories, and more. NFM makes it easy with in-stock styles, guaranteed low prices, and long-term financing. Refresh your outdoor space at NFM. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Your plans? Today it's dinner with the parents at your spot. We gotta come back here. Now, their spot. Or you're on the edge of your seat at the game. Come on, just one time. And it's the one. Or maybe you're catching the next flight to... Now boarding flight 1850. Oh, that's you. The choice is yours. And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Every day, we rise. 
challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.